You're listening to Underestimated. Real stories from real women. Discussing how they've overcome everyday hurdles and rose above. We will not be underestimated. For my first time listeners, I started this podcast with the idea to create a children's book series that empowered girls and quickly realized that there are many more real life stories from women I know that I could take and repurpose for my children's book series. So I created this podcast, interviewing strong women and hearing their experiences of overcoming hurdles. You'll even hear a brainstorming session at the end of every episode where we work to plan out how we can translate their experiences into a children's book. So today I am interviewing a good friend of mine, Courtney Zimmerman. Um, Courtney and I met, it was kind of serendipity. We met at a friend, a mutual friend's birthday party. Uh, just ended up sitting next to each other at dinner and hit it off and then roped her into Habitat for Humanity, Young Professionals, so that she managed events for us there for some time. Um, And since then, I've just really admired everything that Courtney has contributed to women in the tech industry. She actually started and founded her own organization called Sassy Women in Cells. It's kind of punny. And she works for Google and does a pretty kick-ass job there. So I'm so excited to have you on, Courtney. Um, I think you are such a role model for women, um, for women in tech, but women in general, who you've just overcome a lot in your life. And you've always seemed to be really positive every time you go through a new experience and very open and honest about it. So I certainly wanted to interview you. Thank you for taking the time today. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Crystal, so much for having me. I'm super excited to talk about it. You know, um, there's some things I've gone through my life that I think that women can relate to that they've probably gone through too. And sometimes you can, you know, feel beat down and don't get up. And I'm excited to share those stories. Yay. Okay. So one of the things that I like to start off with, and I think it's just an easier lead into is tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us, it can either be about your career, it can be about your life and where you started out from high school or middle school, something. Just tell us who is Courtney Zimmerman? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I grew up in Kansas. I lived there for 26 years. Um, I moved here in Austin four years ago, so I just revealed my age. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) But I the thing, the biggest thing about me is I'm very career oriented, but I wasn't that way probably until I was 24, 25. Um, there were some things that happened in my life that made me go that way and to like figure out how to, how to make myself happy and figure out my own success. And that grew in Kansas. And then that's what led me to Austin and got me into the tech industry, got me into the tech sales industry and then let me, you know, down the path of Google and then led me to finding the networking group for Sassy Women in Cells um, to help other women who, you know, might be going through the same situations with their careers and kind of figure that out. I love that you said that I personally have always been a career-driven person um, that comes from a place of 
watching my mom, who I love dearly, and it's the biggest heart I know, like struggle with bills and cry over bills after her divorce. And I think that resonated with me from a very young age. So I've always been very career driven and independent. And I love that you stated that you haven't always been that way, but then you found that and you figured that that ended up being more of a driver for you. Do you have a story that you're willing to share to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I was when I was really young, I fell in love, got engaged, um, bought a house with a man that I was in love with, and I didn't really take on any of the responsibilities of the bills because of he was the main provider. He could provide them all already, and I, you know, just did like little side things that were like towards. Like, for example, like doing marketing for a brewery, things that were, weren't going to pay my bills, but they were, they were there to help excite my creativity. And when things, when we kind of had to split up and we had a hard breakup, I kind of had to figure things out on my own. There was, you know, two things I had to do. I was, we were definitely, I was definitely losing my house. I had to figure out how to survive on my own or move back with my parents. One of the things that I didn't want to do was move back with my parents. You know, I was 20, 25 years old. Like, who wants to move back with their parents at that age? And that's what really got me big into diving into my career and figuring out how can I succeed on my own and deal with that. And I don't want to go into, like, the nitty-gritty of it all. It was kind of a emotionally abusive relationship and I had to figure out my way like to build up that confidence to say, hey, you told me I couldn't do this, but watch me do this and figure out really quick. And that's what kind of led me down that way of like, oh my gosh, I'm career oriented. This is the way I can succeed. So what did you learn um, that I'm sure was a very tough time to go through? What was the most valuable tool that you got from that experience? I think the most valuable tool that I got from that experience is that I learned that I can do it. Like you sit here and there's people that can tell you that you can't do this or that. But if you put your mind to it and you sit there and grind and look down at the paper and like figure out the way to, you can get there. That reminds me of, um, when I, I did this book selling thing in college, I did it for three years, I think. I even like recruited college students and trained them on how to sell as well. And one of the things that got me one involved in the group, it was door-to-door sales. And then something that I trained like my call, like peers that was part of my team on was that, you know, we worked 80 hours a week doing that which is really crazy, but I learned a lot and it was a hundred percent commission. And so there was definitely something about a fear of working for a hundred percent commission job. And the thing that was part of the saying that was really ingrained in that company was you can do any, do you really think you're going to fail if you do anything for 80 hours a week? If you were like studying for an exam and you spent 80 hours studying for the exam, do you think you're going to get a zero on it? You're probably going to get close to like a perfect score. Yeah. Yeah. My very first, you know, job that I took to try to, when I was trying to provide for myself out of that relationship was a hundred percent commission. I was an insurance agent 
And it was that nitty gritty, like, oh my gosh, how bad do you want it? You have to prove yourself kind of thing. But if you put in the time and effort and were able to get there and then you, you did it based on your passion. It wasn't to me when I first started out in trying to get my career and trying to get it going and trying to get into sales and things like that. It wasn't about having mansions. It was about whether I was going to be able to survive on my own. Yeah. And trying to prove that point. That is all the motivation you need, really. Like that's everything you need. So since then you have done really, really well in your career and have brought in your aspirations even to create sassy women in sales. So what is your motivation now? Yeah, I would say my biggest motivation now is trying, is helping people um, within that. A lot of, I mean, sales changed my life. Like if I wouldn't have found sales, I probably wouldn't have ate, I probably would have been having to move back to my parents. If I, luckily I was lucky enough, you know, if I was, didn't have that support system, who knows what would happen. But if I didn't find sales, I wouldn't have been able to provide for myself and I wouldn't have been able to go beyond that. Like I get so excited now when I can go out and go and buy myself an own like vacation or do all those fun things. And that's kind of my motivation is being able to help people. And that's how I started. One of the reasons why I started Sassy is because of the way that sales has helped my life. I know it can help other women too. They just have to have that confidence to be able to get there and know they can do it too. What are some of the things that you guys really talk about and value in sassy women? Well, just sassy, sassy women at sales. I keep saying the full title. <laughs> <laughs> You're totally okay. You can shorten it. It's okay. <laughs> um, so one of the things that we really, really value is mentoring um, and trying to find mentorship. So oftentimes, especially in sales roles in, and in tech sales, which is what our main focus is on, you're going to find that it's a mostly male dominated, nothing wrong with them. We love them. They're great, but they don't have a mentorship that they can feel comfortable with to reach out to, to go and get that support and coaching. So that's one of the biggest things that we like focus on is we want to make sure they have that availability to find some sales leader they can reach out to, that they can relate to, that has a story related to them. Because it's not very often that you find women wanting to come into sales just because of the stereotype that it has. And so we're trying to change that and, you know, say that, yes, you can be in sales and it can be consultative. You can help people. And there's a group out there that can help you succeed without being the, you know, wolf of Wall Street or greasy car salesman. I think that is a huge misconception about sales in general, like whether it's in tech or not. And that was one of the hardest things that when I first started, I had to overcome. And then as soon as you switch that perception of, no, if I provide people a service that they need and have value in, then I am just fulfilling a need. And that's truly all that sales is. So what is something that you are most proud of? What is a moment you're most proud of in your life? What is an accomplishment that you're most proud of? I think the most proud moment of my life was becoming completely independent. I don't, I come from a Midwest family and I'm not like saying anything about like Midwest, but a lot of people, they, they rely on, especially women, they rely on having 
expectations of get married, have the white picket fences, have children, and that's going to be your life. And I kind of defied that with my family. I'm, you know, the first woman and woman in my family to move out of state. I'm the first woman in my family to go through a career and not sit there and have to have somebody else pay their bills to help out. And I'm not saying that's not, that's not a good thing to have. I'm just saying that's really proud of me that I can be so independent that when it comes to the day that I find somebody, it's not that I'm going to need them. It's going to be that I want them. You are the embodiment of what this podcast is about. I, I feel exactly the same way as that's what I've always wanted is never to have to depend on somebody. I could always provide for myself. And when I, I found Dan, like, I don't, I don't need him to provide for me. He's really great and amazing. And if I ever did, I, he would take care of me and vice versa. Like we're a team. But it was, I think it's very important to, to find that before you find your person. And I think it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you got to be self-sufficient on your own before you find, you know, mm-hmm. in my, my version of, of it, you have to be self-sufficient on your own before you can find that person that meshes well into your puzzle piece. Right. So do you have a story of a time when you have been underestimated? Oh, Absolutely. So I will say the biggest time, oh goodness. Give the us all time, the details. <laughs> this is like gossip hour without mentioning names. <laughs> yeah. The biggest time that I was underestimated, I would have to say it was when, so when I first moved here to Austin, um, I got, you know, a, a sales job right away. I was a sales manager before. It was really easy to get me to, to, to get me to get into a sales job. And then about a year in, and I was with a partner, he passed away he, from, from, he took his own life from suicide. And all of a sudden, everybody just stopped me to like crash and burn and crash down. And I did. I'm not going to lie to you. I did. I did pretty hard. And it, for about a year. And I really lost myself in that, but I was able to figure out, okay, this is what I don't want. This is what I want and bring myself back up to be able to get out of it and bring and you know, be able to get, get back into the game to help myself out on its own. And I think dealing with that grief was one of the worst things I've ever dealt with in my entire life. But it also taught me like one of the hardest life lessons that no, no matter how down I can get, you can always find a way up. So what are some of the things that you think contributed? How did you pull yourself out of that? So the biggest thing was taking some self-reflection and realizing what was going on at the time. I not tell people a lot of things, what was going on and things like that. I was not, I was just trying to self-pity myself, say, woe is me this sucks and just give into that. And what really got me up was being able to find things that would, would motivate me like giving back to my community. That's right about the time I joined hype was when I had that, uh, Hey moment, I need to get out and do something other than what I'm doing right now, because this process is insanity. If I keep doing it, I'm never going to change. So I got involved in the community. I was like, looked at myself and would say in the mirror, what does Courtney want to happen today? It wasn't what, 
what does society expect to me? The or what does society say? Mm, she's going through grief. That's okay. No, what do I want to happen today? And sometimes it would be sleep in bed. Sometimes it'd be go on a run. Sometimes it would be, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go and take on the world. It became very selfish. I think like not in a bad way, but I had to figure out what I wanted to get through that grief. There's a couple of things I heard from there. One, I love that you said being selfish, because I do think it's important. I think you have to be selfish before you can provide anything to anyone else. Like even when you're in an airplane and you're with a small child, they say that you have to put your mask on first before taking care of a child. I think that's 100% true. Like you have to be selfish and take care of yourself. Otherwise, you have nothing to give. The other thing was your mirror talk. Like that's self-talk, like what we tell ourselves. And you set your goals at the beginning of the day. That's actually something that I think I'm going to start working on again. I feel like recently I've, maybe it's just being inside all the time. (laughs) I'm like, I need to start talking to myself more and like telling myself positive things that I can do it rather than then like, what am I doing? (laughs) I think we all have those up and ups and downs. And then I, and then I love that you, you came to join us at Habitat Young Professionals. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We loved having you. I think uh, when I first moved to Austin, I didn't know anyone. And so that was the first thing I did was join as many organizations as I could. Otherwise, I think it's very easy to fall into a depression without having something that gets you out of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. Like when I when I was going through the grief of my partner passing, that was one of my main things for a year is I had nobody but the coworkers that I had and they were all grieving too. I had to get out there. I had to go, not necessarily find a new tribe, but I had to go and find my own tribe and figure out who I was outside of them to be able to get through things in a healthy way. So in your lifetime, You have nieces and nephews like I do, and I'm Mm -hmm. sure you love them as much as I do. And I love getting photos and pictures of them. Um, If you want, you can send me some of them reading and they can be added to the Ruthie and Chloe Facebook page with a cute little book quote. I love doing those. They're so much fun. So in your life, if there was everything that you've learned from all of your lifetime experiences, if there was one thing that you would teach them, if you were to leave this world But there was one thing that when they thought of Aunt Courtney taught us this, what would that be? It's Aunt Coco to them. But (laughs) (laughs) But yes, like the biggest thing that I would I would tell Mason and Emma is that no matter how many failures you have in life, no matter no matter how many heartaches you have in life, you can be able to be what you imagine yourself to be. That anything you put your mind to, you can get through it. No matter if one bad thing happens, if two bad things happen, that's just a bad day. It's not a bad life. And they can get through it. That's really ties into this next little part. Um, at the end of every podcast, we do some brainstorming to figure out what your story is going to be. Because each podcast is, or episode is going to inspire a book. I think that is the easiest category to cover of like failure 
happens and it's good and you learn from it. So let's think of a fun story that Ruthie and Chloe go through where they fail and how they overcome it. A good story that like Ruthie and Chloe failed maybe would be like failing at expectations of other people. Hmm, I love that. And yeah. then and then rising above and like meeting their own expectations and finding out that their expectations matter. Right. So that could be something, um, give you a little bit of background on Ruthie. Um, she's very spirited. I just got my first sketch of Ruthie this past week and I love her from our illustrator, Lindsay. She's amazing, but she's really quirky. Like she wears a baggy lab coat everywhere because she wants to learn and study things all the time. And I think it's a fun little scientific thing um, to add in. So there's so far stories about her having a lemonade stand, about her using her imagination a lot. Um, She loves going to the library and reading books. So let's think of, um, all right. So how about Ruthie? Oh, should we do a sport? Did you ever play any sports? Yes, I played softball. Oh, okay. So how, what position? Um, Catcher. Catcher. How about she, oh yeah, she could be the catcher for a game and maybe it's not like something that she does all the time, but she's, her and Ruthie run by the park and some kids ask her to play softball. So she goes and plays the catcher and then she somehow misses the winning game like out. And so the other team gets a run and they lose the game. Oh yeah. And like how it. Mm -hmm. So maybe that happens at the beginning of the story. So it's like a major failure and then everyone doesn't ever want her on their team again because they invited her once and she failed and they're like, Oh, you're never going to be, you're not good at this. We don't want you to play. You lost us the winning game. (laughs) Right. And so then she just practices with Ruthie day in and day out and then forms her own little misfit team. And then they ended up beat, play them and, you know, they mean kids. And just, sounds like I some like Sandlot amazingness women wise. <laughs> oh, it does sound like Sandlot. Maybe, you know what? Our own experiences and <laughs> our own ideas. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Sandlot is one of my favorites. So that is a mosh posh team. <laughs> <laughs> but I bet their dog didn't teach them how to play baseball. True. Chloe's <laughs> a very good coach. <laughs> um, okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I do want to give all of our listeners an opportunity to join Sassy if they want. So how can they join Sassy? How can they get involved? And if they just want to reach out to you for some guidance or as a mentor, how do they reach out to you? What's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So the best way to get involved with Sassy to keep updated on everything is to go to sassywomen.com. And that is spelled like software as a service. So S-A-A-S-S-Y women.com. And then they can sign up to either get, um, alerts from our events or for our newsletters and they can also find us on LinkedIn. We do have a Facebook and Instagram, but they're kind of under construction right now since it's a new group. And then another great way is just to look me up on LinkedIn or my co-founder, Joe Beth. Um, I'm Courtney Zimmerman 
And then Joe Beth is Joe Beth Hannock. And you can find us both on LinkedIn and we're very responsive to any messages about Sassy. But the best way to get most alerts for the events is our website and they'll be sent directly to your inbox. I didn't know about the website. I just follow the LinkedIn stuff. Thank you for that. I'm going to go. So sassywomen.com, S-A-A-S-S-Y. And then women.com. Awesome. I'm going to go do that now. (laughs) (laughs) Sign up, Crystal. Thank you so much. I'll let you go cook dinner. I'll go do the same. It's Friday. Yes, finally. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Underestimated Stories for Women. If you enjoy my podcast, please follow me on iTunes, Spotify, or Clips so you can hear my next story. This podcast is sponsored by Clips. Discover podcast highlights of your favorite shows at www.clip.ps.